Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. edition of Covered in Glory, where we are going to do an old school episode today, Brett. We are not going to do study abroad. We are going to stick to the big six teams in the Premier League, just like this show was founded a couple of years ago. And I am excited to return to our roots. How are you feeling tonight? I'm good. I mean, we're 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 full gear. I mean, this season's getting a little interesting. Uh, I mean, the Champions League, they found that way to make this the least interesting Champions League group stages of my existence. But mm-hmm. the Premier League is intriguing me, Toby. There's a lot going on, especially especially involving your Chelsea team. They're their and big win against Spurs. And we are going to get to that one, obviously, at the top of the show, since the City and Chelsea game are the is the absolute best one on the slate. But um, before we dive into that, I just want to say quickly, congratulations to the NWSL. Like, I, I don't know if this is going to get picked up as wide as it should, so I want to make sure I shine a light on it. Their media rights deal today is transformative. Getting $240 million guaranteed for women's sports here in America is an excellent, outstanding milestone, uh, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm going to watch it. I go to Spirit Games. I, my daughter, Kate, went with me, and it was one of the highlights of her year. So I hope they continue to get out there and spread it. And with, uh, with being back-to-back with Emma Hayes leaving Chelsea to take over the U.S. women's national team, I love the week that women's soccer is having here in America. Yeah, it's pretty great, you know, especially to see this uh, progress move forward when, you know, one of the stalwarts and and most outspoken uh, people on the team in the push for progress, uh, Megan Rapinoe, you know, it's kind of her career is winding down. But now you have a whole new generation that's going to have this whole new light on it. And, you know, I'm still waiting for that for like, what, five, six years until there's a Mergler on the back of a Team USA jersey. Is that what we're going to see here? Uh, I don't know if she'll ever wear the Stars and Stripes, so she'll make me proud either way. I think it's particularly cool that they got this deal after the Rapinos of the world kind of fade out, right? Because yeah. Alex Morgan's on her way out, Rapinos done, uh, and the new generation will step up, but the new generation isn't as bankable quite yet because they're not as famous to them, and media companies were still lining up for these rights. So uh, congratulations. It is a great moment for that league. You know, there's always doubt when a league is founded, whether they'll make it. We keep seeing spring football leagues, football Americano flame out. And for the NWSL to make it this far, this fast, I think it's going to be the biggest sports, uh, women's sports league in America by a pretty wide margin with the WNBA being the only competition. And I'm super excited. So congrats to them. And we will be here supporting it. Uh, But Not as much, obviously, as I support Chelsea. And Brett already alluded to them. They are the number one story for both past and present reasons after playing one of the craziest games we've ever seen in the Premier League. And now they get to host the citizens. They get to host the juggernaut that is Manchester City at the bridge on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Manchester City in that matchup at Caesars is minus 135. Chelsea is plus 360. The draw is plus 270. Manchester City minus half a goal is minus 135. And Chelsea is plus 105. And Brett, I think I just tipped my hand a little bit saying they are the most interesting team in all Premier League at this exact moment. Would you agree with that? Or do you think the uh, this re-rise, this re-re-re-rise of this juggernaut that is City is actually the most interesting story in the league? Uh... I think it's just a combination of where almost all of the top four teams are at. Um, Newcastle continues to just blow apart expectations given their roster, despite the fact that I think they played the hardest schedule um, by XG differential in the Premier League. So they're interesting. I think Liverpool kind of being back is interesting. I think City maybe writing the ship, or maybe it was just all Rodri absence all along. And then Chelsea... If if they the XG variance goes in their favor, which we know we know our famous line about that, they're intriguing as well. Like I don't know if there's one that stands out, uh, but Chelsea is certainly in the mix of that conversation. 
Well, look, I actually want to start with City for a moment, then we'll dive into Chelsea because they did just play an incredibly memorable match last week. Uh, we have to. We just have to talk about Doku for a moment. He basically went full Globetrotters, I mean, like he was playing the Generals last week, making the key contribution on the first five goals, the first five goals he unlocked. I know you expressed some skepticism about his finishing stats, but after watching that performance last week, are you a believer or are you still staring at the spreadsheets in disbelief? Well, I mean, I'm always going to, I mean, look, I'm always going to stare at my spreadsheets and I'm, I'm, I'm going to treat them, you know, with a lot of reverence. Um, but we the thing is, is we just didn't know much against Doku, you know, he had a really good year coming over from France, but like before that we didn't know much about him. Right. So we don't, we don't even know, is, is he a sun level type dude? That's going to always kind of outperform XG because he's a great finisher. Um, I, I mean, but the thing that his chops that have never been, under criticism, or at least under my skepticism, um, was his creation chops. I mean, he is just as effective as guys like Matoma and Jack Grealish at dribbling into the box, at taking on defenders, at playing dangerous balls into dangerous areas. And if he can add goals to that, we are mm-hmm. talking about the next Premier League superstar. So I'm still not sure if that's going to be his thing. I think he will probably ultimately side more on the creative side of things, but he's still really, really good. And I think it's going to create a really interesting conversation is like, I don't see how him and Jack Grealish play together. So is Doku going to be the reason that Jack Grealish leaves City after that record signing fee? So his emergence is going to be interesting on a whole bunch of fronts. Yeah, and I I couldn't get over his performance last week. Like he showed exactly how to destroy a bus far better than Dennis Hopper and Speed. He first like he plays a beautiful one two <laughs> in a tight space. Speed. <laughs> just what everyone was expecting. He plays a beautiful one-two in a tight space from the first goal. And then he dribbles completely through the parked bus the next time, uh, you know, almost the next time down the pitch. I think it was like two or three minutes later. And then the next time that he gets a goal, he shoots over the bus, like yeah. short of digging a tunnel. I'm not sure what's left of how to score against uh, teams that are playing such a negative defensive style. And I think when you watch Doku and you watch the new element he's bringing in, and obviously they still have Holland running through the middle, what does this look like when KDB comes back? I mean, if they can have Doku uh, as a world destroyer out of the wing, or even Grealish, because Grealish, I know you're the biggest Grealish stand there is, and it's not like he's been bad. He's still been an excellent player. Just like nobody is as good as Doku last week. Doku last week was like, you know, uh, prime Maradona. Um, but once KDB comes back and gives them that midfield presence again, and then they have Rodri and Stones and the rest of their lockdown defense, like I, I don't see how you beat this team. And over 38 games, I think that's always been true. But are we looking at another treble? Like, are they just going to eat through the cups of the Champions League and the FA again? And we might be looking at back to back treble winners for you know the first time I can ever remember. Yeah, I mean, look, that that is definitely a possibility. Um, I mean, when you have Erling Haaland, when you have Alvarez, when you have Phil Foden, um, Rodri, I mean, Akanji, uh, Vardial, like all these names that have come through and solidified, you know, certain spots in that lineup. And then you put Katie, the great KDB back in there. And then you have a a player that is emerging or looking like he's on the a track to be a top five, top 10 player in the world added to that mix that is certainly deflating for every other team in the premier league (laughs) to say the least i i think it is deflating but i will tell you a team that historically stays inflated against city and it's chelsea and coming off of last week's you know almost like battle of the bridge too even though it was at three-point lane as chelsea fans like to call whiteheart lane um i don't I don't think they're going to back down an inch. I think they got their chest out again. I think they suddenly feel like the wind's at their back instead of at their face. And I think we're going to be in for a real slugfest in this match, particularly when you look at the rise of Palmer and the rise of Sterling. Like those guys have been absolutely outstanding uh, on the wings. Sterling just creating havoc on both sides of the pitch. Palmer bringing technical ability and actually is like the one guy who seems to be able to pick a pass against a packed defense. And if they continue to show intelligent runs, Palmer's going to find them. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of goals in this match, and we'll get to, to that a little bit later. But watching like regression come to life, like watching it just like rise from the ground and Chelsea finally catching some breaks over the last three weeks, and getting um, getting some of their confidence back. 
you know, I don't feel like I did a month ago where this is just going to be like a not in the face game. And I think they're going to put up a real test for city here, despite the city juggernaut being near full flight. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the one thing that I'm always curious about with teams is I think, you know, you, you kind of fall into the trap of city's mystique a lot when you play them. Right. So like you get this team, that's a possession dominant team that lives in your final third. And I think teams kind of resign themselves from the jump sometimes to just basically be like, okay, you know, we're just going to, so we'll just start there. We'll start in our final third. We'll let them have the ball. They're going to have it anyways. And you kind of give up. And if you remember under Ralph Hassenhutel at Southampton, those were really weird, tricky fixtures for cities in which yeah. they drew or lost the matches that they absolutely had no business yep. doing. And what is Ralph? What did Ralph do with, at Southampton? He pressed a lot, especially in the yep. mid the mid block area. He sprung a lot of pressing traps there. So, like, that's the interesting thing. And, and I've had other you know very smart soccer people kind of bring this up too. Is like, when are we going to just see a team that just presses the f out of City? Right? Like, when are we going to see a Sunday. team do that? Yeah, we'll see it on and, and that's what we're going to see, right? We're going to see Pochettino bring his pressing, aggressive pressing style, you know, to City. And I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm going to stick with the City machine, but like any result for me is on the table right now. Yeah, I think that's a good way to view it. Any result is on the table. And if Nico Jackson was as good as his stats were, uh, actually, when you watch the game on uh, last week against, it was Monday, I was about to say Saturday, but it was Monday against the Spurs, I'd feel a lot more confident. But he was definitely a tap-in merchant in that match. I know he was a DFS god for you, like you sent me the screenshot of just how dominant he was. Captain, baby. Captain Nico. But when you're playing 11 v nine and the nine's playing a suicidally high line, like <laughs> I, I, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Like I don't think he proved much besides that he could stay on sides about half the time, yeah. which is trending up uh, versus the way he strayed off in previous matches. I think ultimately, while every line and every result is possibly in play here, they would need Reese James to be 2021 Champions League Reese James to have a true shot in this game to feel like this was a team they could go toe-to-toe with. And unfortunately, I just don't think he's there yet. But they do always find a way to keep it close for the champs by keeping it low scoring. And this game should be known as Uno Isero because that's the way the last four league matches have ended, as well as the famous Champions League final in 2021. I think we could be looking at the same thing again here as both teams get up for this match and buckle down defensively. I think Chelsea has a shot to, you know, counterpunch by springing through the through the uh the press. But I think we're gonna see like a midfield slugfest here, limiting chances on both sides i think because of the creativity of doku and the inevitability of holland i'll tip city to find their way to one and scrape out all three points but i don't love any of the numbers that are on offer yeah i mean uh, that's kind of where i just defaulted i mean we talk about the weighted blanket that is city to the city money line uh i mean it's it's also just weird to like see city with like a money line like below minus like 200 <laughs> so you know it's kind of one of those things where that lulls you in a little bit and I guess the 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 thing with me too is like I'm I'm not so I agree with you on the midfield slug slugfest, but I'm not sold on the quality of Caicedo yet. And I feel like if he is a dead spot in a big match like this, that's going to be the tipping point, right? Like you yeah. can't have a, a player that struggles in possession or commits a lot of over aggressive fouls. Um, I'm very curious to see um, as he's kind of slowly started to fit into the squad how he does in a match of this importance i'm gonna like he is definitely gonna be a player that i'm gonna have my eyes on which is weird because you know he's not a goal scorer or anything but i think his his impact how he can control the ball in the bits and pieces that they have possession that's going to be something that i think could tilt this game into city's factor and make them the city money line worthwhile but that said Nico Jackson's underlying numbers, and again, he's going to get a huge boost from the goals against that hot nine-man high line against Spurs, but they're still off the charts. They would have led his non-penalty expected goal mark, uh, uh, mark would have led the Premier League last year. Um, at this point, 
and he's he's somehow plus 300 to score you're telling me in a transition type of state at one out of every three games this guy isn't going to get a goal or at least have a great opportunity for a goal whether he finishes or not obviously it's a different story but that's why I want the money line. So I, I again, this match has got me going back and forth, Toby. I'm really, really looking forward to it because of it, but I have no idea really how to handicap it. Yeah, I, I, you're right about Casado. I mean, you spend over 100 million on a guy for matches like this. It's not to beat Luton; it's to beat City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pairing him and Enzo together, you know, this is what the money was for. It was for this situation. Um, I think the other reason I just, you know, if you get City anywhere near even money like they are right now at uh, minus 115, that like Chelsea will have to rely on either a massive mistake for City or an individual moment of brilliance, whereas City can just rely on being City. And so, yes, an individual moment of brilliance might come. Yes, a big mistake might come. Yes, Anthony Taylor may insort his you know, bulbous ego and bald head into this and ruin it like he has so many other matches. But those are like the edge cases that you have to seek out to see how City might lose this match. And once you're seeking edge cases versus just like the vice grip that City employs continuing to crush its opponents, including even this talented of a Chelsea team, then I think that at near even money, it's the smart way to wager. I think the smarter way to wager, though, is the under. Like I just called this Uno y Cero. Like these two teams just go toe to toe every single time. They don't open the game up. It's usually pretty slow at the beginning as they feel each other out. So there's a whole uh, slew of props I like around the circumstances of this game. One is the under, my favorite prop, uh, because it's plus 100. So you're getting exactly even money to for it to stay under two and a half goals. And I think Chelsea, you know, Chelsea's realistic range here is zero to one and city's probably realistic range unless they get a goal early and Chelsea tries to really like chase. And then the, the, the city machine just counters the hell out of them. Um, I think they're like one to two. So I think with those ranges, you know, most of the time you're going to end up in an under and it's exactly dead, you know, even money right now. Uh, other ones I like Brett is the first goal for city uh, from the 31st minute or over, as I said, these two teams, when they come together, do f- tend to feel each other out. It does tend to get bogged down in the in the midfield as um, as they fight for control of the game and goals. I mean, it's anything's possible, right? But goals do tend to develop as they solve the puzzle, as uh, that press wears down a little bit, and as the game advances. So to get plus 105, that they will score, but not in the first 30, I think is another great number. And then I'm just playing the Anthony Taylor um, card, uh, ironically, the cards that he's going to give out. So, yes, penalty is plus 200. I don't think that's high enough odds. Like, I think that should be like plus 300, plus 400. I think that number is down because of who's, who's reffing it. Uh, so I don't know if you're getting true odds, but I just see the narrative coming through there. But the, the other one I really do like is Manchester City to get a card from the 76th minute to full time. Because there's so many ways this can happen. Like this can happen through some of the rough tackles as frustration builds up in a slugfest. This can come through for time wasting. It can also come through on a late goal celebration. There's just so many different ways for them to take a card. It, it could be like if they're protecting a one goal lead, a pretty obvious pullback after a mistake on the press. Uh, so, so many avenues for you to cash here. And at minus 145, even though you have to take a little bit of juice, I just think it's, you know, very likely to occur. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say, kind of piggybacking off your point about the number not being high enough for the penalty, yeah, despite who's refereeing, is I don't, one of my theories, at least on penalties, and I haven't seen this studied, um, and I would like to ask really smart data people on this, but it, it is sort of anecdotal in that sense, is if you are clearly the, the the ideal matchup for a penalty, right, is a team that has a lot of touches in the penalty box going against a team that allows a lot of touches in the penalty box, right? The more yeah. the ball is in the dangerous area where you can get the penalty called, that's that's going to lead to a higher chance of a penalty being called. Now, again, I haven't seen if that bears out. Penalties could just be completely, totally random. That could have nothing to do with it. But that's how, how I've always kind of looked at penalty odds. 
And I think in that one with that low of a number, the reason I would definitely stray of that is I don't think these teams are going to allow each other into each other's penalty box very often. So we yeah. might be getting a, a handful of touches here and there each half from each team. So I think that's a good number to fit. Yeah. Cool. All right. Anything else to say about City or Chelsea before we take a break and tackle the rest of the slate? Just bring it on, man. I can't wait to watch. <laughs> it is going to be awesome. It's funny. This is the reason we canceled our study abroad segment, just pulling back the curtain for a second. We were going to do Lazio versus Roma. And then I saw that it was at the exact same time as this match. I was like, I, I'm like, I'm not that big a fraud, right? Like I'm, I'm a certain level of fraud. I'm not that big a fraud to pretend I'm watching Lazio versus Roma at the same time City <laughs> Chelsea is on. Like this is what my entire weekend is being built around. So there is, there is going to be no split screen in the Murgler household during that time frame. No, absolutely not. It's full attention. Uh, we talked, I think two weeks ago about like fixtures you circle as soon as it comes out and Chelsea versus City is, you know, obviously one of the first ones that I bear down on every year. Uh, so let's go ahead and give Caesars a little bit of love and then tackle games that are far worse than the one that we just talked about. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Okay, we are back and looking at the next game. I am wondering why, because we now have to talk about Wolves, who are 14th at 12 points, playing Tottenham, second at 26 points. This is the early game, Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Spurs are plus 115. Caesars has Wolves at plus 210. The draw is plus 270. Spurs minus half a goal is plus 110. The Wolves uh, double chance is minus 140. 
And Brett, before we get into this week's game, we've already mentioned it twice or three times, but I probably mentioned it a thousand times before I die. What the hell are the Spurs doing playing a suicidal high line with only nine people on the pitch? Like I've never seen a top of the table club try to claim a moral victory when taking a 4-1 defeat over a lunatic. A lunatic decision uh, and how to, to go about trying to defend a one goal league or one goal. Not, I guess they lost it on the penalty, but not play for the draw when you're down two men. What are they doing? I love soccer Twitter sometimes because I watch people try to explain this away. Um, and it was pretty ridiculous. And I think the logic that they used, I'm not saying this is my logic or I agree with this logic. But essentially, the logic behind the high line was if you're down to nine men and you just sit back and defend, you basically are going to get crushed anyway. So why not at least try to catch them in an offsides trap as much as you can, hope that that goes your way, and then maybe you get out of it okay. I don't think that's the way to go. It's clearly a super high-risk strategy regardless, and I think your uh, your downside risk is what we saw, which was massive. Um but yeah, I mean, there there is no good. I mean, look, in our Boyage's defense, there is no good way to defend with nine players. Like there, <laughs> that is not that has not been solved. But I do agree, it was bizarre to say the least. It was definitely like I've lost a money a lot of money in Vegas. I will just keep going on red because it's going to hit some point. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you're speaking of Vegas. Like, there's a range of decisions you can make in Vegas. Maybe all of them are bad, but some are worse than others. And he went with, like, the 5 a.m., let's go talk to that hooker over in the corner decision, rather than, like, (laughs) let's go to bed at at 1 a.m. slightly drunk. Um, And, like, Chelsea struggles against as we keep talking about parked buses and even a nine man bus, I'm not sure Chelsea would have been able to unlock in that last 30 minutes. You got to play for one there. Like I don't see what you're doing. And not only that, like goal differential couldn't matter in the champions league spots. So why go and like open yourselves up to lose four one and a team that's trying to chase you down, give them advantage on the tiebreaker. And then you add in, the players that they actually lost, right? Like Vanderven's gone. Romero is now suspended for three games. Udogi's out. He's suspended for this game after uh, taking two yellow cards last match. Like I, I usually would take this opportunity to sit here and scream fade Spurs because I think there's a real chance the wheels are about to come off. I mean, like, yes, I am biased. Yes, I feel that way. Basically, every time I draw breath, the next breath that I see is going to see Spurs start to fail. But they have Villa... City and Newcastle in the next month, they're going to have to play probably two of those games without their center back pairing. Vanderven might be out for like three months. And I think they're in real trouble. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing is, is they're going up against a Wolves team without Pedro Neto. Um, yep. I, I thought about that as well. I, I was kind of looking at it like this is probably the prime moment for them to have a little bit of a slide. But then you took away the most creative player on a pretty poor attacking side in Wolves. Um, And weirdly, I still have an anytime goal scorer, but but hey, you know, that's just me. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I I do I do think that there was going to be a slide at some point. And it certainly seems like regression was going to come in the form of, of all these suspensions, all these injuries, all these absences after a game in which they get humiliated, it seems like this is the perfect time for that. Unfortunately, I think they're catching a really bad team minus their best player at what would be the ideal time for them to start sliding. They can still very well lose to Wolves, um, but I also just think that that even their second unit, I mean, if you've seen the names that Wolves have been starting, I, I know you probably haven't, but like, you know, when Max Kilman is arguably your best defender and is being rolled out there as a center back every single match for Wolves, you're telling me that whoever Chelsea is going to decide in their center back pairing is going to be worse than that? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I was trying to bait you into fading Spurs, just uh, jumping on. But I am backing Spurs in this match for the same reason. I think the, the wheels are going to come off between now and Christmas. But come on, if you can't beat a Wolves team when you still have all of your attacking talent in place, 
um, that is without Pedro Neto, then just concede right now. Like you're not a top four contender if you can't beat the Wolves in this particular circumstance. And I think they are definitely still a top four contender. And for no other reason, than the fact that they've already banked 26 points. So I can't believe I'm taking them after everything I just said, but at plus 110 against uh, this Wolves team, I, I, I think you have to do it. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you at the money line. The only caveat is I think that there's going to be some goals in this match. And uh, Matthias Cunha, um, just kind of a, he's like a more of a prime age, kind of under the radar Brazilian guy that's come over here, um, has been pretty solid for Wolves. And I really, I like his game. I like his movement. He's pretty good at everything. He's not like a pure goal scorer. He's not like a pure winger. Kind of one of those like hybrid guys where you could play like a like a poor man's Jota, basically. I think would maybe be the best way I could describe him. Um, but I think in this game against Spurs, in which we will see a lot of open spaces, his anytime goal scoring number was plus two fifty. And I just don't see this Spurs team down all these center backs or defenders, um, like putting up a clean sheet. So Wolves' goal is coming from somewhere, and that leads me to the odds on Kuna. So. I don't think he's like an amazing, you know, up and coming dude. He's already 24. So he's already in his soccer prime. Um, But I do think this is a good matchup for him against kind of a depleted Spurs back line. Yeah, we're attacking the market in a similar uh, place, just in different ways. I didn't go as aggressive as you did in trying to identify a single anytime goal scorer, but I, I do think there's going to be goals. And so I'm taking the over two and a half at minus 150. And when you're talking about a Spurs team that just played a high line with nine men and now do not have either of their starting center backs as well as their starting left back, um, I don't see a clean sheet either. And once you don't see the clean sheet and they have all their attacking talent and Wolves kind of suck on the defensive side, I think getting the three goals is not a foregoing conclusion, but there's more ways to get there than not in this match. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong, man. Um, I, I Like I said, I, I think that you're on the same side as me if we're, we're looking for the fact that Spurs are not really in a position to hold a team, even as poor of an attacking team as Wolves down to a clean sheet. So I'm, I'm for whatever logic leads to Wolves scoring goals. And if you're going to follow that logic, I thought you were going to give this one out. I actually kind of predicted it in my pre-show, which I just, I bet on what Brett will say in this matchup. It's not as popular as guess the lines, but maybe one day we'll grow it to be. Um, The Spurs come from behind and win or draw is plus 320. And so with a team that is struggling this so much defensively, I would actually rather play that, the plus 320, that they concede first and then find a way back to at least a point versus just playing them straight up on the money line. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, not a bad bet at all. Uh, I, I, I thought about it. I looked at it. I wasn't crazy about the odds on that one um, just because, again, I think the Wolves goal, the, the gut feeling I have about a Wolves goal is that it's going to probably come more as a consolation thing. I think Spurs are still going to be aggressive and pressing and Wolves don't have the midfielders to handle that. But certainly with the volatility of the Spurs team, it's a it's definitely a thing that to to look at. And if you can swallow that juice or that swallow, or if you're, if you're happy with that number, then take it. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to talk about volatility. There's only one place to go, and that's Manchester United. Eighth and 18 <laughs> points. Versus Luton Town, 17th at six points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Caesars has Manchester United at minus 300. Luton at plus 800. The draw at plus 400. Manchester United uh, minus 1.5 is minus 115. And Luton is minus 115. So... Brett, I took United last week because of Bruno Fernandez, and he made me and United both look better than we are after he caused two players to collide like they're in a cartoon before slotting home the extra time winner. But that band sure didn't last long before they went out and got beat by Copenhagen midweek in the Champions League, conceding an embarrassing four times. So as I looked at this matchup, I did not look at any spreadsheets. I did not look at any stats. I didn't look at anything except for a crystal ball. And this seems like the exact, the exact type of game that gets a manager fired. This is the game where you're on the hot seat, where you can't come through at home, where you're playing a bit of an also ran and you somehow lose one to zero and you don't have an office to come back to on Monday. So I guess my first question for you is 
do you think Ten Hag is actually on the hot seat and is one bad loss away from getting fired? And if so, is there anyone who could actually fix this mess? Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that can fix this mess, but I'm pretty sure your buddy Antonio Conte is going to be the first phone call. And oh my goodness, will yeah. that be an amazing dumpster fire? I will, you and I need to find an alternate betting market to just take the lowest under on Conte's stay at Manchester United, but I don't want to get that far ahead of ourselves. Um, Yeah. I wish I I could, I wish I could have some sort of like financial instrument to cash my future wager on how fast he would get fired. But if I could get the money now up front, I would contribute to United to hire him. Because I want to see it that bad. So, if I can come out and create like some sort of weird financial, weird, like time, future like time-bending time pyramid thing, yeah. scheme, I'm here I, for it. Yeah, I no, I'm with it as well. Like, because I, I, it's funny because just the other day I asked that question to a friend of mine, and I was like, "Who would take this match mess?" And immediately he sent back, back a picture of Conte, and I'm like, "Oh yeah." Yeah. Naturally, that's who's going to do that. Uh, yeah, I'm looking I forward mean, to Marcus Rashford being the best wing back in the Premier League. Um, oh yeah, I was thinking Mason Mount wing back. I was looking forward to seeing that. Oh um, man, but go ahead. At least, at least he would see the field. Yeah, because it's not going to be like Zidane. Why would Zidane take over this dumpster fire in the middle of November when he's used to winning trophies by just coaching the best players in the world? Like, why would he want to come in and do this? And so, like Ten Hag, yes is uh is somewhat like it's almost like suicide by cop like you can only start the mcguire evans so many times without getting fired like he must have a great contract that's ironclad and he's already had his lawyers review it and he knows he's getting paid out because how do you have veron on the bench available to you and you keep rolling that out as your center back pairing unless you're unless you're like begging for the sack I mean, I, I've never been like a huge Veron guy. I obviously think he'd be a little bit of an upgrade over that group, but I, I don't know. I mean, because the, 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 the thing about Ten Hag, I, I don't know if you saw this, but you know, they they had their midweek. I'm sure you saw this part of it. They had their midweek capitulation in the Champions League, and his whole thing. And I, so this is the thing that we have to remember after they lost to Copenhagen, who, who by the way, it should be repeated, is one of the weakest squads in a pretty diluted Champions League pool already this year. All right, and, and not just losing, they conceded four times. Yes, it doesn't matter if they're down a man. Four times down a man against Co- FC Copenhagen is just absurd. And all Ten Hag does, and this is the guy that is the the old school type of manager like these are the players that he wanted it's his style he's had multiple years to put them in he basically set up the table himself and then was like this food sucks but instead of just being like hey this is my fault it's the decisions are terrible the referee wants to get us and it's like dude bro like FC Copenhagen just put four past you. Look in the mirror. <laughs> it's crazy to me. So I'm actually at a point now, too. I mean, I love the United misery. Like, I'm sorry, United fans, but I delight in your misery. I'm an Everton fan. I got to find something to delight in. So, the but the I am kind of rooting for this to end just because that really got to me. I mean, I think anybody who's in a position of leadership who sees that response is just like, what the hell, dude? Like, what are you watching out there? It's not the referee's fault that you gave up four, buddy. Your players suck and you're a bad manager. So, yeah. like, oh man, it's it's gonna be delightful. I I mean, it's I I I looked so Toby, I stared so long at Luton Town plus 800 money line. I just just fixated on it in a trance, being like, this is one of the worst teams in the Premier League. Can I really go this far? I wanted to put it in the five point. I wanted to pick them. I could only get to them at plus one and a half. But man, trust me, I was a close. Well, you clearly didn't watch enough of Ross the Boss Barkley to be able to get all the way. He was running that counterfast break like Prime Magic Johnson, and I still love him. I have to admit, I still have a massive. I got, I got a spot. I got a soft spot for Ross. I I I I felt like when Chelsea when he went to Chelsea. If he would have stayed at Everton, we'd be talking about a very different story with Ross Barkley. But that's a whole other podcast thing for Everton diehards if they ever want to hear that one. Yeah, I'm sure that will be huge ratings. Huge. Uh, <laughs> so I, I of course, took Luton um, on the plus one and a half. But, Brett, I am 
on my prop, giving out the highest odds I've ever given out. The highest odds I've ever given out on this podcast. You're usually the one giving out crazy things. I'm usually the guy oh, playing boy. a little bit more conservative. Um, tell me that you cannot see the following newspaper headline on Sunday morning all over England. Ten Hog fired after losing 1-0 to Luton. I, I no, but uh, dude, I'm there. I just I didn't have the guts. You exact have score the guts to do that. Exact score. What's the, what do you think the odds are on the exact score? I mean, if they're plus zero? 800 on the money line to just win, plus three thousand. Yeah, yeah, plus three thousand yeah, exact that's... score line. Luton one zero. Come on now. I mean, like I'm. This isn't something this. like if you I play this, this thirty pick. times, you're only gonna get you're gonna get it once, and therefore you should get odds. I think this is the result like one out of every five times with the current state of these two teams. Like Luton can't score more than one, and United seems destined to get Ten Hag fired by losing this game. So you put the two together, exact score line one zero Luton plus three thousand. I I love this. You have found you have found so many creative ways. To search through a for- sports book and find a bet. This is my favorite bet that I think you've ever made. And, and mostly because I will, del- I don't even care. If you put this in the five point and it hits and I just get cream this month and it, I don't, I don't care. I literally will never care. I will buy you your favorite beer. I will watch you drink it or whatever, or throw <laughs> an empty bottle at like me on a punching bag or something. This is my favorite bet. If like Carlton Morris or somebody or Ross puts a one away, it ends, it ends up one nil. This will be my favorite bet of all time. I, I just, not, I would love this. It's not making it into the five pipe, but I, I oh. think, it, I, I think it's real value. You can make it in your five pipe. You go ahead and go for it. But I think I, one that zero. Might a, that might be a real, real life bet just to do that. I don't, I can't, I can't afford to take that risk against you in the five point, But five bucks and yeah. in, uh, in real life, whatever, we'll throw that in. Uh, the, the other one I really like that I believe is in my five pine. I'd have to look again. Um, is both teams to score no is minus one ten. Yeah, I think I, I think Luton is like should I think this bet should always be plus money in a Luton Town match. And it's not like I think United's going to light the scoreboard up earlier. Like I said, the same thing against Fulham last week. I cast it against Fulham last week, and Luton is substantially worse than Fulham on the offensive side of the ball. So both teams to score no minus 110 will be one of my best bets for the week. So I basically took half of that, and I have Manchester United to score no at plus 650. That was my my prop bet that I really like. Plus 650? You plus 650. Just checked just before the show. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm betting that too. I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) So that there is... There's clearly something here with the fact that the energy is t- is pushing us in a certain direction. Yeah. In, f- in fact, let's go ahead and take our last break because I'm going to bet that now before we even finish this. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, I put down my phone. I've closed down my account, but my action is in. So let's get a little more action down, Brett, by heading down to Arsenal. Fourth at 24 points versus Burnley. 19th at four points. 
This game is also Saturday at 10 a.m. Arsenal is minus 550. Burnley is plus 1400. The draw is plus 600. Arsenal minus one and a half goals is minus 180. Burnley is plus 135. So, Brett, I've kind of been leading off each of the games so far. Uh, Arsenal could very well be without Saka, without Enkedia, without Jesus, without Odegaard. And even if any of those guys play, they are not going to be uh, all the way up to match fitness. We are about to start to go into the international break. So they have a chance to get all these guys a little more healthy than they are right now. What kind of Arsenal team do you think we are going to be looking at when they line up against Burnley on Saturday morning? Man, that is a good question. And the it, again, it's another another thing that we've talked about before is what happens after Arsenal starting 11 gets chipped at a little bit, right? Is who is stepping in? Are you know, and Smith Rowe is one of the guys I think that's that's questionable too. So, like, where where how far are we going down here? Um, with the Arsenal kids, who's gonna play? How much Jorginho are we gonna see? Um, things like that. So I the, the thing is, is I was slightly concerned about that at first and then i remember that burnley's terrible um and i realized that it didn't matter that i would rather take arsenal's u21 team over burnley who who i legitimately don't know if i can name like you know how crazy i am you'll bring up some thing about like you know lazio or roman i'll know they're starting 11 somehow without looking it up because i'm disgusting as a person I probably can name 15 guys on Burnley still, and I've been trying to follow them all season, uh, mostly because I think they're forgettable. Um, And it it just doesn't matter to me who who Arsenal's starting. I think Burnley is is a lock with Sheffield United to go down this this year, um, which, you know, we can talk about on another relegation-centric show. Um, But the the number that I did, so I'm going to take Arsenal, even though the juice is terrible, is minus 150 or minus 180, I'm sorry for them, at minus one and a half. Um, but the, the number I really did like with the new with the Arsenal injuries is the under of three and a half goals. Uh, yeah. This could be a viciously boring, terrible match with those with some of the attacking talent being sucked away. And Burnley just doesn't have a way to exploit that. So the under being that high at three and a half, even though it's minus 150 for the juice is a pretty good line. I, w- I would even adjust that down if you really want to go after it. Uh, yeah, we see this match the exact same way. Burnley is truly dreadful, but without Saka and Kenya, Jesus, or Odegaard, I'm actually taking Burnley on the plus 135. But I'm not entirely convinced that Arsenal can get to two. And if Burnley somehow like ekes out one goal here, I'm definitely not convinced they can get to three. So that allows me to take Burnley at the plus number that they can keep this within one. Um, and also stay within that under of the three and a half at minus 150. So I think it's going to be a terrible match. I think company is going to play for one point from the very first minute until the match is over. And if the parked bus doesn't get broken down early, it's going to be dreary. It's going to be dreadful. In other words, it's going to be a Burnley match. And they have been blanked in five out of 11 games already. Um, the injuries aren't among the Gunners defense. So I just think this is going to be like zero, zero, one, zero, maybe two, zero. And so along with um, betting on the under, along with betting on Burnley, just because in any low scoring game, like the adjusted spread is at a plus number is attractive, even with a team as bad as Burnley with Rice, Saliba and Gabriel all together and Burnley playing highly negative football. um, I also like the Arsenal clean sheet win. Because I think at minus 130 to win to nil in, in a 1-0-2-0 fashion is a better way to bet them than to eat the juice on minus 180 at a goal and a half. You're not wrong. Uh, I just could not bring myself to want to recommend putting money on this Burnley team. So maybe, but maybe you're a big Sander Burger guy. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I can't recommend we continue to talk about that game. So let's move on to our final match, which is Liverpool, third, 24 points, versus Brentford, ninth at 16 points. A great matchup. Sunday at 9 a.m. as the appetizer to the Chelsea City main course. Liverpool is minus 250. Brentford is plus 650. The draw is plus 380. Liverpool minus the goal and a half is plus 105. Brentford is minus 135. 
And so, Brett, it's a you know it's a very weird Premier League year when I think Liverpool are clearly a top three team, but I'm also not shocked at all when they lose to, to Louise and Europa or draw with Luton like they did last week. They lack both that consistency and the killer edge of years past. And once Salah leaves her AFCON in January, the wheels could really fall off of this club. And it's extra hard to take them seriously when you're watching those wretched third kits play on a middle school soccer pitch at Luton that somehow broadcasters are paying billions of dollars to show. It looked like a TV show about the Premier League created by someone who's never seen a soccer match and the and the uh, TV show airs on Bravo. That was atrocious, atrocious to watch uh, in, the, in the words of the uniform at Dave Damashek. I cannot believe that my eyes were subjected to that. I also, I like, I love the story of Luton. And I'm getting off track, but what the hell? It's late here on the East Coast. I'm getting a little loopy. Uh, I love the story of Luton, but like in that pitch, is it like a reverse Hoosiers? Like when Hoosiers plays in that tiny gym and then they go out to the big one and they have to measure the rims and all that. When the big clubs come in there, do they need to measure the goals? Because Liverpool could not shoot worth a crap in that match. They looked like they were just like being blinded by mirrors the entire time and sailing balls out into nowhere. Could have been a Saturday Night Live sketch where like their arms and legs were falling off. I don't see what's happening. And I haven't watched every Luton home match. Is that a Liverpool problem? Or is this like really they can't adapt to such a tiny pitch? I don't know. We probably need a little more data and the Premier League off of that to maybe really know for sure if there's something going on there. But I wouldn't be shocked at the one thing that would throw them off is just how on top of you the fans are there. Like you literally (laughs) can't get away from that. There's barely room for regulation depth of the goal. Like the net is like in the first row. That's how close that thing is. Yeah, and I, th- I I have to imagine that's a little bit jarring, um, especially, you know, I mean, look at like West Ham's new stadium, right? Like, look at how much distance there is between the pitch and, and the and the, and the stance, right? That's a completely, it's got to be a completely different thing, like sensory thing for a player than when you're playing with like, probably the ball goes out for touch and as you're making the throw in, somebody can grab your jersey from the first row. Like, that's got to be weird and jarring. And I, I don't know if that, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see if that plays out. That might, I mean, that, there's a good chance that that might be a thing. I mean, obviously there are unexplainable phenomenons that still exist, but I also think it's just, it's probably more just random variants that we like to, you know, chalk up a storyline to, but they're, they're very well could something to uh, the Luton town effect there. Well, don't poo-poo chalking up random variants and creating a storyline because podcasts couldn't exist without that very <laughs> that very trope. Uh, so where are you at on Liverpool right now? Like, as I said, I think they're lacking consistency and a killer edge. I'm having a hard time uh, handicapping them because who knows which team is going to show up on any given day. How do you feel about them? Uh, I'm... I'm very bullish on Liverpool. Uh, I think we are in agreement in the one thing we talked about them being a very high variance team that has not changed. Uh, So I do think we're going to see very big extremes in their performances. Like they may go out and punch city in the mouth and win three, one in a match. And then the very next week lose the Fulham one. nil. So I think it's an interesting way. I mean, they're clearly, you know, you have mentioned this before, giving no Fs about defensive midfielders. They're playing McAllister kind of as a six. Uh, They're going forward in attack. I, you know, I think when everybody's healthy, Darwin's still coming off the bench as like a super sub. That's incredibly interesting and appealing thing to me for them. So I actually was very bullish on the minus one and a half at plus 105. But as I was literally writing it down in my notes, I was like, they could definitely lose this match. So um, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I just, I just have faith that in the long haul, and that's how I think you have to look at Liverpool. I think you can't look at your individual bets and just go back a week and say, oh, well, they sucked. That means they suck. I think you're going to be up and down. These are portfolio bets on just Liverpool being good. And you might be able to kind of beat the lines uh, on that with that perspective. Yeah, uh, I understand exactly what you're saying and still took Brentford because do you know, Brett, and this isn't even necessarily about Liverpool, do you know there's only one club this entire year to beat Brentford by multiple goals? And I think they played everybody in the big six except for City and Liverpool. Do you know the one club? Wait, was it, didn't Everton beat them like 3-0? <laughs> it's Everton. 
Everyone yeah. is the only one who's actually covered the line that's been posted for this game. Oh, they, see, Toby, with your speed reference earlier, you should have been like pop quiz, hot shot, and then uh, give me the question. The big, big letdown here for our speed fanatics that got all excited at the beginning of the show. If only I had you writing for me. Uh, <laughs> so they are Brentford's been constantly competitive this year. They've survived the Tony absence a lot better than I expected, and for them to be such big dogs to this you know, team that just drew against Luton and just lost in Europa midweek, although obviously not with a, a full choice 11, I think is a little bit overly disrespectful. So I'm willing to back Brentford. You did just bring him up though. Darwin Nunez, uh, Darwin Nunez. I, I, I can't believe what I'm watching sometimes like guys are so open and he refuses to pass and instead will take like a 40-yard shot rather than play out to the wing. And so I am finally ready to make some money off of this. This might even become like my new Odegaard bet. Odegaard one shot on target. If Darwin Nunez uh, starts, Darwin Nunez shoots. So you could actually bet just shots. Forget shots on target because we have no idea where these things are going to land. But as long as they're directed at the goal, you get credit for it. And he, at four shots, four shots or more, is minus 140. He's hit this in uh, his last three starts, five out of the seven times this year he's played at least 60 minutes. So if it's Sunday morning and you see him in the lineup, you, you, I think you have to play this. It starts to feel like locky. It's like he's in a version of crank where he has to shoot or he will die. And so I love playing this number. I think he will hit it, but it is dependent upon when the lineups come out and whether he is in the starting lineup. Cause otherwise, even as a super sub, like I know he's going to come in and shoot, but he might not get enough opportunities to do it four times. Yeah. Well, mine is sort of in the vein of hoping that those go in. I just haven't been super convinced by Brentford's four, three, three setup. I feel like they're a lot more solid in the, that back 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 three uh but they've they've lost rico henry and they don't really have the wing backs for it anymore um so i'm actually just taking the over of the liverpool team goals at two and a half because some brentford games have also gotten a little nutty and they yeah. are extremely up and down of volatile in their own performance um they also might just like chip a couple of goals too where they score on set pieces and then liverpool puts their foot on the gas so team goals over two and a half for Liverpool is plus 120 and that's where my prop money is going plus one to I, I think you should get a better number for that that's a lot of goals man so not for Liverpool uh, their attack uh, is the best in the Premier League I believe right let me I have it up yes it is best in the Premier League okay all right well I might book the other side of that if you're interested uh, but I probably shouldn't because in the five pint, you are beating me right now. You're up 7.5 to 5.5. But I kind of win because you're mostly up because of Chelsea. Like you took them on their over on goals and on the money line. And I don't think you saw, thought it was going to happen in that exact manner. But it doesn't matter. You still get to catch those tickets. and You still get to take the lead. Uh, I'm going a little bit conservative this week, Brett, to try to, to catch up because I think you're about to go crazy and I think you're going to self-implode. So I'm going to try to cash a couple of numbers on the way in. It's like once you, you're on a hot streak right now and I've just seen this movie before you, you go full Icarus and you get a little too hot. You get a little too close to the sun and all of a sudden defenders at minus 6,000 are like in your five pint. Uh, so I am going with a lot of like low juice numbers, but a lot of negatives. Give me United and Luton both score. No. And minus minus one ten. Give me Arsenal and Burnley under three and a half goals and minus 150. If Darwin, I'm giving a conditional one. Uh, if Darwin Nunez starts, give me his four plus shots at minus 140. If he doesn't start, I'll sub in Brentford at that plus one and a half at minus 135. So taking a similar amount of risk. I'm not like really you know giving you uh too much of a, a crazy bet there. And then I've got two bets in City and Chelsea since it is the premier game of the weekend and I can't wait to watch. Give me the under two and a half goals at plus 100. And then Anthony Taylor whips out that card on City at the end of this match. They take a card after the 75th minute to the end of the game at minus 145. All right. Well, I'm glad I can still surprise you, Toby, because after about three years, I did not fly close to the sun. I went very conservative. I got uh -oh. Spurs money line. I got Luton at plus one and a half. 
I have the under of three and a half goals. These are all very basic picks, Toby. Uh, I have Liverpool at that minus one and a half number, which might be the most questionable one in there at plus 105. And then I have the city money line at minus 140. So like, these are all simple. I'm just trying. I'm I've changed. I, I'm surprising you in our podcast relationship here. You have changed. I'm not. I don't think I like it. I like the guy who <laughs> yeah. just really you want. You want like, like my lost. Craig Dawson anytime goal scorer in the Wolves match. I know that's what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, I like winning. Uh, so we are off next week. There is the international break, so you will not get our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis, but we will be back Thanksgiving week. We couldn't stand being away from you guys for three straight weeks, so we will be back early in the week for Thanksgiving, giving you something to listen to while your relatives are all screaming at each other. So until that, we look forward to talking to you then. Enjoy City and Chelsea and the rest of this direct that they're going to show us. But remember, that is what the gambling is for. Take care, everyone.